stories that you cannot get out of your head. These stories may contain graphic depictions of violence or explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. Ask any stay-at-home mother, and they'll agree that the first few months, when both of your kids are finally in school, even if it's for the three hours that preschool lasts, are some of the sweetest of their life. After years of near-constant consumption of your body, mind, and soul, school offers a brief and glorious respite where a mom can move about their home freely without the constant threat of a tiny but mighty frame slamming into them or a tiny, shrill voice screaming their name, or some demand that you have no choice but to obey because you are their everything. Their teacher, their playmate, their cleaner and feeder and wiper and hugger and redirector and washer and dryer, and most of all, you're their safety. Which is an unimaginable burden, and it's nothing short of a miracle that all mothers haven't gone completely insane over the course of human history. But here I am, day two of having three wondrous, miraculous, silent, and delicious hours to myself. Don't get me wrong, I still have a massive and daunting pile of tasks to tackle before those three hours are up, and I have to pick up my four-year-old from preschool, followed by her seven-year-old brother a couple of hours after that. But at least I get to dictate the order of things for the next 180 minutes, give or take, and it's truly the best feeling in the world. I start in the kitchen because it's always the logical place to start, and push a stack of sticky plastic bowls into the sink while I simultaneously scroll for a new episode of my favorite podcast. It's the one full of swearing and murder and sex talk and everything I can't ever play around my children's still-developing brains. And then I settle into the somehow soothing rhythm of scrubbing dishes clean while listening to tales of gruesome dismemberment from the mouths of other middle-aged women. I was in such a good mood. I was half tempted to pour myself a glass of wine at 8 a.m. But then I heard it. Hey, Deb. Deb. That's me. My name is Deb. I registered and then reached a sudsy hand to turn down the podcast. I paused and strained my ears to see if maybe it was a neighbor calling from outside my front door. And then I heard it again. Hey, Deb. Come here. My blood ran cold, and I almost dropped my phone in the sink as I scrambled to pause the show and whirled around in the direction of the voice. The voice was coming from inside of my kitchen. Even worse, it was my voice. It was my exact fucking voice. Who are you? I near shouted, my voice rising in panic. You need to leave. It's okay, Deb. It's just me. Come here, Deb. Come open this door. It was inside of my pantry, 
I was sure of that now. My pantry was four feet away from me, and the red-hot panic that ran through my body was indescribable. You would think that you wouldn't recognize your own voice hearing it outside of your body, but I knew in a half of an instant that I was listening to my own voice mimicked back to me from the inside of my pantry. Just like a woman can sense a slight change in her child's voice or her partner's breathing, I knew from just a few words that I was somehow beckoning myself from inside of my own pantry. You need to leave, I said again, this time fully shouting. I had a fleeting moment of clarity as I pictured myself screaming at my own voice coming from inside of my pantry four feet away in broad daylight, and then I took several steps back, almost falling over the bar stools where my kids had eaten their breakfast less than an hour ago. My pantry has the kind of doors that's made up of vertical slats, and I strained to see through the slats and glimpsed the outline of a figure as it shifted slightly. I'm calling the police! I screamed and ran through my apartment and out the front door, barefoot and trembling. I hurried to the other side of the parking lot to call 911, keeping my eye on the front door the entire time, hoping to catch a glimpse of the intruder to help police identify and catch whoever had broken into my home while I took my kids to school and then hid in my pantry to fuck with me. Why would someone do that? Why wouldn't they just surprise me and rob me or kill me or whatever they'd come to do? The 911 dispatcher said police would be at my apartment soon, and I stood still barefoot and trembling in the parking lot of my apartment complex, eyes on my front door, until police arrived less than 10 minutes later. I called my husband while I waited, and he rushed home and arrived just after the police. Detectives searched our entire apartment and found no one, and no sign of forced entry or exit. How is that possible? I begged them, standing in my living room with an eye constantly darting toward the kitchen, even more terrified than I'd been when I first called them. I watched the door the entire time. No one came in or out. They must have climbed out of a window and escaped through the back, one of the officers offered. But all of the back windows opened to the backyard, so they would have had to scale an eight-foot fence to get away, I argued. You'd be surprised what people are able to do when they want to get away badly enough the other officer said, and then asked, So you said the intruder had your voice? He raised an eyebrow and looked at me sort of sideways. You mean a voice a lot like yours? No, I mean my voice, my exact voice. I know it sounds crazy, but I've never been more sure of anything. I mean, wouldn't you know your voice if you heard it speaking to you? The officer shrugged. I guess so, but I can't imagine a scenario where that would happen. Do you have a twin? He asked, giving me an out to my bizarre claim that someone had broken into my home, hidden my pantry, and then just talked to me in my own voice. She's an only child, my husband said, and wrapped an arm around my shoulder. Thanks so much for coming, officers. I think it's time we install some sort of security system, but it seems like this was just a horrible prank. The officers nodded, shook my husband's hand, and then left. My husband turned to me. So you're sure you heard someone in the pantry? He asked, and I immediately bristled. It wasn't just one of those shows you like to listen to? Jesus, Paul, I think I'd know the difference between a podcast and someone in my pantry with my voice saying my name. I'd held it together, but started to cry at that point and collapsed onto the couch. 
You have no idea how terrifying that was. I'm sorry, sweetie, he said, sitting next to me on the couch. Of course I believe you. It's just so strange. And I want to believe it was just a misunderstanding, and that there isn't really some weirdo out there sneaking into pantries and impersonating the homeowner's voice. I I know you had a really hard time after Alice was born, and leaving her job was a big blow, and... I don't know, I I just want you to be okay. He hugged me close. (laughs) I'm okay, I promised, accepting his hug and wiping the tears off my face. It's fucking weird, but I'll be okay. I said, looking him in the eyes and nodding. I'll, I'll pick up one of those camera alarm systems after work today and give us some peace of mind, he said, and I nodded again, feeling some relief from the idea. I looked down at my phone. Oh, shit! I said, realizing it was already time to pick up my daughter. I hugged Paul again and ran to throw on my shoes and grab my purse. And just like that, my three hours alone were up. The rest of the day moved forward without incident. Paul went back to work. Alice and I had a typical afternoon of eating lunch and completing some artsy activity I was always finding on Pinterest to make me feel like I was giving my kids some kind of creative advantage in the world, despite finding them mind-numbingly boring to participate in as a grown adult. Then a little screen time to give me a few minutes to prep dinner, and on and on until it was time to pick up my son. I kept the pantry door wide open, so I could confirm there was no one lurking inside with just a glance. And there were no more voices coming from any part of our apartment. And so by dinner time, things had gone somewhat back to normal. Paul brought home the security system like he'd promised and installed it after the kids went to bed. It was one of those simple systems with a few cameras and sensors and an app to download to keep track of any activity around the house. But it did make me feel better to know we would be alerted if someone broke in, and that I'd be able to prove that someone was in the house if I had to call the authorities again. But by the time I drifted off to sleep, I'd convinced myself that was never going to happen, and the weird incident from that afternoon had just been a bored teen or something and was nothing to worry about. Good God, I was wrong. So horribly, unbelievably wrong. The next morning went off without a hitch. The kids had only been in school for three days, but were already falling into the routine of getting up and getting ready, then gathering their things so I could bring them to drop off. Alice was an amazingly precocious kid, so it was never a struggle to convince her to put on her shoes and find her backpack. She was so excited to finally be a big kid that she was standing at attention with her bag on her back and her uniform perfectly in place like a tiny soldier when it was time to go. I resisted the urge to ruffle her hair, knowing she'd protest if she didn't look perfect, and then called out to her brother, who came stumbling into the room like a hurricane of limbs in the manner of every seven-year-old boy on the planet. They were great kids, and I was so happy to finally have space to miss them during the day. So I herded them into the car and off to their respective schools. I was a little more hesitant when I got home that morning taking my time to scan the security footage from the app before doing a sweep of all of our room's closets to double-check I was alone before allowing myself to sink into the rapture of me time, like I'd tried to do the day before. 
I had a grotesque amount of laundry to do that day, so I queued up my murder podcast, smiled at the way the late summer sun was streaming through our sweet apartment, and headed into our large bathroom that doubled as a laundry room that had been one of the major selling points of the apartment complex. We were trying to live modestly to save up to buy a home, but I was sick of decades of hauling massive bags of laundry to the laundromat. And after Alice was born, I refused to do it ever again. I opened the top door of the washer-dryer stack and started to load tiny shirts and pants into the gaping hole when I heard it again. Hey, Deb. I dropped the laundry basket and screamed, losing my balance and shuffling on my butt away from the sound and toward the furthest wall. The sound was coming from the shower and the shower curtain was drawn shut. Come here, Deb. It beckoned in my own voice as I managed to get to my feet and run through my apartment and out the door, barefoot and trembling and experiencing a horrible deja vu from the day before. Again, I called the police and my husband. Again, both arrived in under 10 minutes as I stared at my front door waiting for the intruder to emerge. Again, police searched the apartment and found nothing. We pulled up the footage from all of the cameras and scrubbed through, seeing absolutely no sign of movement aside from a curtain blowing in a light breeze. Nothing the officer said when the footage ran out and the screen froze at the end of the line. It doesn't look like anyone was here, or has been since last night. I I swear to God I heard someone in the shower, I said, knowing I sounded hysterical, but being completely unable to stop myself. Well, ma'am, there's just no sign of anyone coming in or out or being here at all. Other than you and your family, that apartment has been completely empty. I feel like I'm going crazy, I said, shaking my head and racking my brain for any sign of who the intruder could have been other than me. But all I could remember was those few words in my voice from the other side of a thin shower curtain. Please don't call us unless you're absolutely sure someone is in your home, the other officer said as they pocketed their notebooks and made their way to the door. Have a good day, you two. And with that... They were gone. Paul turned to me with a clear look of concern plastered across his face. No one was here, Deb, he said gently. I know it looks like no one was here, but Paul, I swear someone was in the pantry yesterday and in the shower today. I wouldn't make that up. Why would I make that up? I begged. I don't know, honey, he said, slowly shaking his head. I don't know, but I'm not sure what else to do. Do you think you should see someone? He asked in an equally gentle voice. Are you having a hard time with the kids going back to school? No! I insisted. Paul, I'm not crazy. Someone has come in our house for the past two days and is fucking with me. I don't know why they're fucking with me, but I am 100% sure they were here. I started sobbing, half from fear of whatever was happening, half in frustration that no one would believe me. And there was no proof. How about I get a few more cameras this afternoon so we can see every room, Paul offered sweetly. Maybe there's a blind spot that they sneak past. He nodded encouragingly, hoping his theory was right, or at least that I'd believe it enough to calm down. 
and it worked. Yes, thank you. That sounds great. I leaned into him. Thank you for being so sweet to me. You're going to be okay, he soothed, and I bristled slightly, noting the underlying tone that he was still not convinced that it wasn't just me imagining whoever was sneaking in my home to torment me. I didn't press the issue because I understood that I did sound completely nuts and could hardly blame him for holding back on fully believing me. But I was hopeful that the intruder had had enough and would let me get back to my normal, messy, lovely life. True to his word, Paul came home after work that night with enough cameras to mount in each room in our small apartment, which gave me some peace of mind that if that son of a bitch did return, at least we'd conclusively know who it was this time. The rest of the night and the next morning hummed along with the comforting routine of a family with small children, and for once I was grateful for my kid's persistent state of needing me as it distracted me from the general unease that had settled in my bones. My desire to outrun my anxiety drove me to the best version of myself as a wife and mother. The meals I prepared were extra love-filled, the outfits I picked out were extra clean and cute, and the things that normally drove me to near hysteria were suddenly sweet and endearing. I got my family off and out into their days with unmatched efficiency and, once again, allowed myself the briefest moment of relief as I drove home from school drop-off thinking that maybe that day would be a normal day and I could spend it cleaning out the fridge and tidying the kids' overstuffed play area. But that hope was shattered into smithereens the second I closed the front door and dropped my keys on the entry table. Hey, Deb, my voice said, unmistakingly coming from inside the entry closet. Come here, Deb. It said as I stumbled backward and immediately dug for my phone. Open the door. I pulled out my phone and opened the app for the alarm system. I tapped on the camera feed for the entry area and scrubbed back through the last hour. But there was nothing. Not the slightest movement of any kind. I scrubbed back through the night before, all the way up to the point that Paul had installed and enabled the camera, thinking maybe the person had snuck in while we slept and laid in wait for me to come home. But again, nothing. Other than my family putting on our shoes and leaving for the day, there wasn't a single soul that had come in or out of my front door or opened that closet since the afternoon before. Why? I wailed in frustration as I closed the app. Who are you? I screamed, facing the closet defiantly. Why don't you come out and tell me what you want from me? Open the door and I'll tell you, Deb, my voice said in a half-warning, half-giddy tone. Come on, Deb. Come over here. While the words chilled me to the bone, they also settled me just slightly. If the person wanted to hurt me, they would have done it by now, and there was no reason for them to stay hidden the three times they'd broken in to taunt me. This isn't fucking funny, you know, I said, trying to force as much courage into my voice as possible. I don't know what kind of sick troll you are, but you need to leave. I need you to come here, Deb, the voice repeated. We have a lot of work we need to do. What does that mean? 
I shouted. I don't need anything from you, but it seems you need something from me. And you're never going to get it, I said, and felt slightly triumphant that I'd gained a slight edge over the intruder. Oh, I will, my voice said mockingly. Eventually, you'll open a door, and I'll get exactly what I want. It's just a matter of time. The threat knocked the wind out of me and drained me of any confidence I'd started to feel. What do you want? I screamed, this time my voice nearing hysteria. I think you know, Deb. I think you've always known. I reeled back, suddenly snapping into survival and protection mode. Do whatever you want to me, but leave my family alone, I insisted weakly. Leave my kids alone. I would never hurt your kids, my voice reassured, then sighed and said, but you might open the wrong door, and you just might. You really want me to open the door, don't you? I whispered and felt wet tears on my cheeks, my mind reeling, trying to think of what to do, what I could possibly do to make this stop and put my life back on track, back to normal, if normal was possible after this. There's only one way to get them to believe you, Deb. Just open the door and find out. Panic rose even further as the horror of my situation really started dawning on me. I thought about calling the police, but I knew that without proof that there was someone in my hall closet, best case scenario, they would laugh at me. Worst case scenario, they'd stop taking my calls completely or suggest some kind of mental health intervention. I thought about waiting outside of the closet door until they arrived and could open it themselves, but froze as the realization of what that could mean fully dawned on me. Whoever this is wants that door open one way or another. There was no way of proving that the intruder existed without opening the door. And I knew with a stark terror that I needed to keep that door closed no matter what. I could not have the cops open it, or Paul, or a neighbor, or anyone especially not me. I screamed into the emptiness of the apartment as the thing on the other side of the closet door snickered softly. And with no other obvious options for getting rid of the intruder, I gathered my shaking body and mind and decided to do what I did every day of my life. I spent the next couple of hours cleaning and meal prepping I sent off a couple of bills so we wouldn't get any late charges. I watered the tomato plant Alice insisted on growing this summer, and the entire time I puttered around the house, the voice was there. Brief, but persistent. Hey, Deb. Come here. Come here, Deb. When it was time... I headed to pick up Alice, and then we spent a couple of hours goofing off with crafts until it was time to pick up her brother. I was unbelievably relieved that the voice stayed quiet during that time, and for the rest of the night, when the rest of my family was home. 
It was similarly quiet the next morning as we got ready for the day ahead. But the second I stepped foot in the apartment alone, there it was. This time, from inside the kid's closet. Hey, Deb. Come here. Hey, Deb. Come here. It was easier to avoid that day, but I could still hear it from most parts of the house, beckoning me with my own voice, my heinous mimic slowly, ever so slowly picking at the edges of my mind. After an hour of the relentless sound of my own voice calling me to my own demise, I had the idea to put on headphones to distract myself. My heart leapt a little at my genius idea, and I turned on my favorite band and turned up the volume as loud as I could stand. My mood improved ever so slightly, knowing that the voice was still there, but I couldn't hear it. So could hopefully tune it out some. I finished some dishes and wiped down the countertop, but then froze when I went to open the cabinet under the sink to throw away the paper towel. What if the intruder moved and I couldn't hear it? Can it do that? I laughed a little at the absurdity of the question, the absolute lunacy of trying to guess the rules of the nightmarish thing that is suddenly pursuing me, but it was true. I don't know what this thing is capable of or how it works or what I'm truly up against. All I know is that it needs me to open a random door and reveal its hiding spot, and I cannot, under any circumstance, give it what it wants. I pulled off the headphones and, sure enough, I could hear it snickering just centimeters from where my hand just was, right behind the door to the cabinet under the sink. I screamed again into the emptiness of the apartment and then folded the pile of clean laundry I'd been procrastinating for two days. I've started leaving all of the doors in the house open just slightly before everyone leaves the house every day. I try to make it as subtle as possible, but it's impossible to not recreate a toned-down version of the kitchen scene from The Sixth Sense, no matter how minutely I crack them all open. I'm positive Paul has started noticing, but it's the only thing I can think of to keep it contained. The voice is tricky and always finds somewhere to hide. Whether it's Alice's dollhouse or in the tchotchke my grandmother left me, but giving it less options helps. I spend as much time as I can with other people because it doesn't talk to me unless I'm alone. I'm not sure if it's still there when I'm with people, but I can't hear it. And so I try to enjoy the break. But I know it's just temporary and I'll have to be alone again eventually. It's only been a month since the intruder showed up and started chipping away at my sanity. And I'm already so exhausted and terrified. I have no idea how much longer I can keep this up. But I have to. For my kids. Hey, Deb.
was written by Courtney Eck and narrated by Kay Weaver. For more scary stories that you cannot get out of your head, please join our Patreon at patreon backslash please leave pod. Please follow Please Leave on Facebook and Instagram at Please Leave Pod. Our email is pleaseleavepod at gmail.com and our website is pleaseleavepod.com. If you like the story, please take a second to give us a review or rating. It's just a couple of us trying to get this thing off the ground, so your support really helps us. This has been a Two Penguins Media Production. <laughs>